0: This podcast is now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more. Please leave a written review on whatever app you get this podcast from. Spoiler alert! When this podcast talks about Game of Thrones on HBO, it talks in the context of the most recently aired episode. And when it talks A Song of Ice and Fire books, it talks in the context of the most recently released book by George R. R. Martin. You've been warned. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series. You're listening to Matt's audio blog, Game of Thrones. And now, here's your host, Matt Murdock. Welcome back to Game of Thrones, Matt's audio blog, or if you're here for the first time, Welcome. If you are here for the first time, you're here for a very special episode. This is the feedback episode where I'm going to share all of our listeners' feedback who submitted anything uh, between the Season 2 feedback podcast and this one. And it's been a little longer than normal because of my health and some other things, school and all of this other stuff backing me up and delaying the podcast here and there. I thank you all who have stuck with me. Thanks so much for hanging in there and being patient. Very much appreciate it. And also thank you very much to everybody who uh, wrote me and expressed concerns about my health. I'm doing just fine now. I'm, I'm back to normal. And this whole next season, season four, will actually be pre-recorded. I did them back in July before I got sick again. And so you will have all of those on time Without delay, um, hopefully I won't have any problem with the internet either. I think we've got everything resolved. No more excuses, Matt. No more excuses. My name is Matt Murdock. I am from mattsaudioblog.com. That's M-A-T-T-S, audioblog.com. It's where you can find all things regarding this podcast. You can find contact information. You can find all of the back episodes. You can find podcast app links. And this is the episode where I read the reviews that you may have left on podcast apps that allow for reviews. I would encourage all of you to please leave me a review if you're listening, if you're listening on an app that allows it. I do realize that uh, some apps just simply don't allow it, and I'm perfectly cool with that. I know there's nothing you can do about that uh but if you are listening through say like a stitcher or an itunes or some other app that allows you to leave a written review that's what gets me noticeable, that's what grows our audience, and will make our feedback podcasts even bigger because more people will feel like they want to submit, to call me out for something stupid that I said, or maybe to agree with something that I said in the rare occasion that that happens. Uh, sometimes I say something smart here on this podcast. Most of the time I'm just entertaining you with my own dumb thoughts about the show of Game of Thrones or the books by George R.R. R. Martin. So there is that, and if you want to get in on the next feedback podcast, since these podcasts were pre-recorded, you're going to hear the wrong date, so I want to give you the right date. The next time we'll have a feedback podcast is shortly after October 24th. October 24th will be your deadline for anything Season 4, or if you think that there's stuff from seasons further back, feel free to send any of that as well, or even for seasons in the future or of this podcast anyway. I mean, there's only one season left of this show. So, uh, you know, don't spoil me on season eight. If you have insider knowledge, I really would appreciate if you didn't do that. On the other hand, uh, I do will accept any feedback regarding anything, as long as it kind of relates to the material that we're talking about in the current with all that said, I don't suppose there's really all of that much else to tell you except that it's time to get into reading the reviews that you all gave me. That's next. Now, I know you get tired of me asking you to do this, but please, the written reviews really do help. I only have two to share with our listeners this time around. And believe me, it doesn't have to be some kind of glowing review to make this podcast. I'll take any reviews. Uh, I'm a beggar. I'll take any reviews. And in fact, I'll even say that in order for me to have a growth mindset, I must learn to embrace criticism. So, Please feel free to criticize anything you don't like about this podcast. Let the people know what you do like or what you don't like about this podcast. That's what helps me stay noticeable, and it helps you get whatever off your chest that you've been holding back for a while when you just want to, you know, you wish you could find me in a dark alley and just punch me in the face because of something I said. Or maybe, you know, you want to pat me on the back because of something I said in, say, a a regular, very well-lit street corner rather than beat me up. I've made enough jokes about beating me up, I guess. Uh, Let's get into this. I have one iTunes review, uh, pardon me, Apple Podcasts review. Uh, This one was actually from the Canadian store. Uh, It is from Clara V, Clara with a K and the letter V. It was left on July 28th. Five stars, great podcast with excellent Game of Thrones music analysis. I've just learned that Matt Murdoch was back in the podcast world. I had listened to Podcast Winterfell and was sad when Matt had left that show. I especially appreciated his, quote, cleft notes segment. Guess what? He couldn't stay away for too long for our greatest pleasure. And I'm totally spoiled because he is doing a cleft notes for each episode and analysis of the music of Game of Thrones. This is unique. You won't find something like this in tons of podcasts that are out there about Game of Thrones. Another important thing, Matt is doing it freely out of pure desire to share and out of his love for his two favorite subjects, Game of Thrones and music. You won't hear about the Patreon or other types of money asking. It makes a nice change from many podcasts these days. What a pleasure to have you back, Matt. Uh, Thank you, Clara V, for that review. And folks, as you heard, this is from the Canadian store. So, there's a chance with the international reviews that I may have missed one. If I did, please send an email to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. That's audioblog at gmail.com and say, Hey, look, I left this review like two months ago. Why haven't you found it? Just tell me where to find it, and I promise that it will be shared in the next feedback podcast, which again will be shortly after October 24th. I also have a review from the Stitcher store. Um, Once again, Clara V, thank you so much. I appreciate that ringing endorsement. This one from the Stitcher store comes from SLG228. It was left on July 22nd, and it is five stars, saying, Yay, Matt's back. So glad you're back, Matt. I've missed your perspective on all things Game of Thrones, and was thrilled when Axel mentioned that you were doing a new podcast when I caught up on Podcast Winterfell. And... Thank you very much. Thanks for coming over here and and giving it a listen. Hope you're enjoying the music perspective and hope you're enjoying the story perspective as well. Folks, help me out. Leave reviews. I am very thankful to Clara V in iTunes and SLG228 in Stitcher for taking the time, doing me a solid And um, once again, folks, it doesn't necessarily have to be a five-star review. (laughs) I'll share a story. When I quit the television show somewhere around the middle of season five, because I just couldn't take what I felt was uh, an atrocity, not so much because of the story of what happened to Sansa, but because so many people were defending it, like, well she's married now and I'm like thinking what kind of a thing am I walking into here rape is rape it doesn't matter whether you're married or not anyway uh I think cooler heads prevailed finally and that all calmed down and and it took me a long while it took me a full near the end of season six to get back into the show but I did get back into the show and I love it now uh but anyway that's a long story just to tell you that as soon as I quit the TV show, you have no idea how many one star reviews and scathing mean comments I got, and I totally understood it. People were mad. They weren't getting their podcasts that was covering their show anymore. And uh they they were miffed about it. And there was a big divide between the book people and the TV people and it was just all a bunch of silliness to be perfectly honest but at the time we had to all stand our ground on whatever box that we were standing on or whatever bit of ground we were standing on and those comments were just some of them were just flat mean and I don't know if any of those people went back when they started covering the television show again for the uh, DVR podcast network I hope they did Um, you know if that's what they wanted so uh, at any rate uh, I'll be covering the TV show for season eight I gotta weather this storm out. I gotta finish something in my life. (laughs) Might as well be Game of Thrones. But please leave me a review when you get a chance. Uh, I've got several emails next. So as a disclaimer, uh, I've realized that I have a lot of disfluencies when I speak, and even worse, I am a terrible. Allowed reader. Hopefully, these wonderful people who sent their emails in will understand that I'm just trying to communicate the message. And hopefully, you will get the message because I will communicate it somewhat successfully, but never 100% successfully. I can guarantee you that. But we have one email, lovely email from Peter, who is also uh, at the cave night on Twitter. And then we have a whole season's worth of emails from Sandy. She took the time to send an email in for each and every episode, and I really appreciate that. And then we're going to follow that up with our three word segment and our brothelmate segment, where we have plenty of submissions for those for each episode as well. And I'm really enthusiastic about the the great ideas that you're going to hear from these people. We're going to start with Peter's email. He says, while you were ill, I got a chance to catch up with your excellent podcast, and I have a couple of comments. Season 3, Episode 4 is a good rewatch episode, mainly because of the end scene where Daenerys takes control of the Unsullied. The buildup for this scene was very good, with Krasnus talking Daenerys down in Valerian through several episodes, thinking that she does not speak or understand Valerian. The moment when Krasnus looks up at Drogon and realizes that Drogon, on Daenerys' command is now a weapon pointing down at him. It was so satisfying. I have one small complaint, though, on the story leading up to this moment. After negotiating with Krasnus and agreeing on the price for the army being her biggest dragon, she then scolds Barristan and Jorah Frinzon for advising against her in public. What did she expect? She keeps them as close advisors and wants them to give her good counsel to help her achieve her long-term target, which of course is the Iron Throne. But she keeps them completely in the dark on this big decision to gamble with Drogon as a piece of the plan to free the Unsullied. The negotiations and freeing of the Unsullied were some good tactical moves by Daenerys, but... If you do all that without letting your closest counselors in on the plan, they will be surprised and scared of the risks when you start playing the game with your opponent. But who am I to have these thoughts? A dictator can do as she pleases, and it surely makes great TV to see how everyone is surprised by what's happening. Alright, I'm going to stop right there for just a second, Peter. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, on the surface, that seems exactly like not a very good idea. On the other hand, I honestly, I'm just going to, I'm going to come, I'm going to invent a reason why she did this. There is absolutely zero evidence for this. There is, uh, this is probably more like uh, fangirling than it is anything else. Um, What what do they call that? Fan fiction. This is more fan fiction. But let's say that she is worried that Krasnus and other people have spies lurking about in town. If she scolds him like that in publicly, then it might get back to Krasnus that, you know, oh, wow, he really got a good deal. Everybody thinks that she's doing the wrong thing. Wow, I'm actually going to get away with this. Helps set up the surprise even more, not just for us as an audience, but for Krasnus as well. Peter, I can tell you're not buying it. I'm really not buying it either. But I thought I'd try to make a joke at least. Uh, Anyway, Peter's email continues. My second comment is about Jamie's journey through this season. It's amazing how the show managed to turn our opinion on him from being an egocentric son of a bee who pushed Bran out a window and who cold heartedly killed his own cousin with a chain to being a victim of the code of knighthood and honor because he did what he did to save King's Landing and its people from being wiped out. He managed to save a half a million people from the mad King But the way he did it was not the honorable way and not heroic enough. Hence, the Westerosi Society named him the Kingslayer as a daily reminder of his dishonorable actions. However, it is the way he protects Brienne and saves her at Harrenhal that truly turns us around. And when he meets with Cersei in King's Landing, you realize as a viewer how big the gap between them has become. He has changed for the better, and she has changed for the worse. Apart from the Red Wedding and Bran's in the Hodor, this storyline really got me. Too bad that he stays with Cersei for four more seasons. And by the way, Matt, your analysis of the music accompanying the scene in the bath with Jamie and Brienne was so to the point. Magnificent composing by Javadi and beautifully played and recorded. I just love to listen to it and long for the satisfaction of the moment when that cello finally reaches up to the octave of the home note, of the home chord. In fact, in Norway, the home chord is called tonica, which means healthy and strengthening. I think that is a good description of the feeling that is realized when the cello reaches the home note. That's all for now. Thank you for creating this community, Matt. Keep it up. I wish you all the best, including good health. Thank you very much, Peter. Again, he is at night on Twitter as well, if you want to follow him. Uh, Give him a follow. He's a good follow, and uh, yeah, we actually call the uh, the home chord tonic here uh, as well, Uh, just not tonica. But that is uh, that's a great definition for that. That's wonderful, and uh, it does. uh, You think about it. Have a tonic. Um, That's for health, and that usually when a tonic is a home key, then you feel a sense of relief, a sense of release and 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 relief and all of this great stuff it takes all of the tension out um when you get into trouble with the tension is when you don't ever get back there right and also uh i just wanted to say that uh it's interesting that you really love that version too and love listening to it that's one of my favorite pieces uh and performances Uh, especially of season three. And we just recently found out, and I don't really have a whole lot of Game of Thrones news, but uh, the AV club did a little thing with Ramin Javadi just a short while back. And he expressed how this time around when he's doing the Game of Thrones music tour, he's rearranged everything. You're not going to hear any of that music the same way that you heard it on the television show. Now, to me, that's very exciting. Um, I hope that that doesn't put anybody off. I, I guess it depends on, on where you're from in terms of uh, if you like changes in music or if you'd rather hear it the way that you heard it the first time. Um, and again, that's uh, not a bad thing either, you know? I mean, play me Mustang Sally, but give me the right version, right? Or, or play me, uh, I'll... Sing the Blues for You by Albert King, but don't give me the Stevie Ray Vaughan version. Give me the Albert King version. Or, you know, I mean, people can make all different kinds of distinctions about that. And I've rambled and rambled and rambled uh, in order to pull up all of these emails from Sandy, who has delivered me 10, count them, 10 emails for this season. She, her goal, she said, was to submit an email for each and every episode. She achieved that goal, and they're all great thoughts. Uh, once again, thank you very much, Peter. I very much appreciate you taking the time to submit some feedback and great thoughts there, buddy. Um, now, on to Sandy. This first one is for season three, episode one Valor Doharis. Two of my big three things were the same as yours the introduction of Kybern and the reemergence of Selmy. Love that guy. But the way that Tywin so horribly demoralized Tyrion really struck me hard this time and put that scene on my list. Peter's facial acting was phenomenal and totally broke my heart. Unknowingly, Tywin put another nail in his own coffin. Most of my tidbits were the same as yours, but I added when Peter told Sansa that Arya was alive, as I must have missed that the first time around. Apparently, he did recognize her at Hall. As to the question of whether the White Walkers come with the cold or if they bring it with them, I suspect it's a combination. As George R. R. Martin has said, they do amazing things with ice. Excellent thoughts, Sandy. Thank you very much. I don't really have any comments to make on that. Um, Yeah, the Heron Hall thing is apparent there. Uh, so uh, I know that uh, that can be something easy to miss. In fact, I was listening to a podcast not too long ago where they missed that once again. But I'm not going to call anybody out and just, you know, I was like going, wait, but wait. He did recognize her. Anyway, uh, on to Sandy's email for season three, episode two, Dark Wings, Dark Words. Tidbits. When Karstark said to Rob, I think you lost the war the day you married her, referring to Talissa. Not only the war, but as we find out later, his head as well. Ramsey, when he tells Theon he'll be back to rescue him, since we know that this is just the beginning of his psychological torture of Theon. His true colors are about to be revealed. As for three big things, when Sansa spills the beans about Joffrey being a monster, I think that was the moment Lady Olenna decided something had to be done, although exactly what, I think came later. I suspect it might have been when she knew Mace was giving the chalice as a gift, but who really knows. Another would be the way that Jamie puts himself between Brienne and Locke. Two things struck me about that scene. One, that deep down, he did have it in him to be a chivalrous knight all the boys dreamed about becoming, and two, foreshadowing saving Brienne later from the bear. Lastly, the Hound identifying Arya. That certainly changed the direction of that trio's journey. All right, excellent thoughts there as well, Sandy. And we're going to go on to Season 3, Episode 3, Walk of Punishment. For questions, yes, I think Littlefinger was beggaring on the crown on purpose. That's why the wise are probably many, and all would create chaos and benefit him. Could we expect anything less? Rob Warging is left open to interpretation. might be some hints, but I think Talissa was having a bit of sport with the boys. Davos setting Gendry free probably didn't help Stannis, but I think his fate was sealed no matter what. After all, he was not a quote one true king, or the quote prince that was promised. For tidbits, apparently Blackfish knew enough about archery to check the wind before firing the arrow, something Edmure neglected to do. I loved how he loosed the arrow. Blackfish didn't even wait to see it hit the target. Next, I liked when Blackfish told Edmure if he were king, he wouldn't let Edmure wave his blunders around like a victory flag. I laughed out loud. Love me some Blackfish, can't you tell? Also, like you, the chair scraping scene was hilarious. As far as big things, the missed opportunity to kill the mountain would have made a whole lot of difference down the line. Some people say Rob didn't communicate his intentions well, but since the plan happened off-screen, we don't know how Edmir received his orders. I'm not a military person, but it seems to me, if sent by messenger orders, it would have to be as short and cryptic as possible in case of capture. Uh, Kat's continued descent into depression and despair, is evidenced by her discussion with Blackfish, and that was heart-wrenching and moved her along the path of being able to kill walder's wife later lastly Tyrion's rewarding pod for saving his life sets up the biggest mystery in the series what did pod do that made the girls <laughs> get the money back the world may never know yeah, I don't imagine the world is going to ever know Sandy, but uh, yes, those that's unanswered questions. We want answers to our questions. What about that question? Uh, I mean, I'm really not all that interested to be perfectly honest, but I, I do like your hint of sarcasm there. All right. Uh, Sandy goes on to season three, episode four, and now his watch is ended. Tidbits. Theon's disclosure to Ramsay concerning his identity issues surely gives Ramsay insight in how to better torture him in the future. Poor Theon. By the way, I know people will take issue with me saying this, but I hate the phrase, paid the iron price. All that says to me is brutal thievery, and in my book, that's nothing to be proud of. Sorry if I offended anyone. Cersei's comment to Tywin about loving legacy more than actual children was a telling insight to the man and his motivations, I thought. Finally, Lady Olenna's comment to Varys, what happens when the non-existent bumps against the decrepit, made me laugh yet again. Very good, Sandy. Let's move on to your email for Season 3, Episode 5. You mentioned being afraid of Arya. I'm not afraid. I'll make myself her best friend and I'll be fine. Very good. Uh, tidbits, the sudden fear in Sandor's eyes at the burning sword struck me this time. He overcame and prevailed in spite of it. The other was the way that Roose baited Jamie with news of Cersei. Priceless. Three big things. Arya finding out Gendry was staying behind was so sad. He told her the brotherhood was like family and he'd never had family, to which she replied that she could be his family. He said, no, you'd be my lady. Heartbreaking, but possible foreshadowing if they both survive? Hmm. It's an interesting thought, Sandy. Carstark uh, had a point when he said, during the war, you kill your enemies, not free them. He also laid some of the blame at Kat's feet, since she freed Jamie. It's true that Kat's actions certainly set some things in motion, but also people choose their actions, and Karstark chose to be a maniac and kill two innocent boys. While I understand... His grief was over the top, in my opinion. Celise saying that no act done in the service of the Lord of Light could ever be a sin was pretty scary to me. I wonder if she thought that when Shireen was burning. By the way, George R. R. Martin has said Melisandre was the most understood character. Any thoughts? Uh, I'll stop right there and answer that. Uh, I'd be very interested to know, did he say that before or after the reveal of Melisandre's age in the television show. Because I think that there, for book and television show alike, I mean, in television show, we now have evidence of Melisandre's true age. The, the book, of course, is much more cloaked in finding that. But when we did our feast and dance tandem read, um, I remember one of our panelists, Susan, uh, was constantly talking about Melisandre and a possible direct connection, um, to the original Azore a high legend, or at least something to that effect. And uh, it was very intriguing then. Um, so I, I wonder if George has shut up about this as much, or not said as much about this now that the television show has revealed her age. Sandy wraps up this email by saying Side note, interesting the way Jora pumped Selmy for info, trying to discover if Selmy had any inkling that Jora started out spying for Danny. Watching him mark his territory afterwards made me chuckle a little bit. Poor friendzone Jorah. Yes, poor friendzone Jorah. Uh, for Season 3, Episode 6, The Climb, Sandy says, Questions. Eyes that Arya closes. Top of my head, Marin Trant's eyes were brown and the waifs were blue, so that leaves green, who could be Tyrion in the show? Nah, could be referring to people she will kill for faces, Three heads of the dragon comes in three, but I can't see that. In a book, I think Cersei has green eyes. Oh, does she? Okay, I didn't realize that. Maybe I'm getting my stuff confused. Um, that could be. Uh, then she goes on to say, Gendry makes kings rise and fall. The falling part is fairly obvious, but other than Euron, I'm not sure about rising as... I can't see how that affects Jon. Yeah, that's an interesting point, Sandy. The thing is is that Gendry's blood wasn't used for anything except the fall of kings. I I think that's the distinction. Now, um, maybe as far as rising, if he'd have been burned to the stake like she wanted to, but Davos kept from happening, um, maybe Stannis' path would have been made clearer. Even if Melisandre was wrong, if the magic is done... On behalf of Stannis, it could have changed the tide quite a bit. All Stannis wanted to do was eliminate his enemies. He didn't throw a leech on the fire saying, Make me the Iron Throne. He just said, Joffrey Baratheon, Balon Greyjoy, Rob Stark, the Usurper, as he called them, uh, <laughs> which was funny in a way now in retrospect. Because Stannis was really nothing but a usurper in a lot of ways too. Now that we know that John is the actual king, uh, Sandy continues tidbits. brand the Conciliator between Mira and Osha—that always struck me as being very mature and far-sighted for such a youngling. grit telling John he's a proper lover. Guess he does know something. <laughs> and uh, three big things: Jojen's vision of John on the wrong side of the wall, surrounded by enemies, is current and future. In the book, I'm afraid of what that future might be. The whole discussion between Melisandre and Thoros was so deep and rich, I can't even begin to say what I saw there, but a lot of setup for Mel when faced with a dead John later. You asked if it was their doubt that triggered the power to resurrect, if I remember correctly. My take would be that they came to the end of themselves and what they could accomplish in their own power. And... Realize their limitations, thus putting their circumstances and desires into the hands of their God. And finally, I hate Ramsay. Enough said. All right, Sandy. Thank you very much. Good thoughts there about the the whole uh, Melisandre and Thoros talk. I like that. Uh, Sandy says for season three, episode seven, "The Bear and the Maiden Fair." I have to say, when you made the comment about Joffrey going out to kick skulls around. In the backyard, I laughed out loud. I'm glad somebody did. Uh, tidbits. I chortled, good word, when John asked Orel if he was going to share the deep wisdom he found in the head of a bird, which in hindsight, I think puts the kibosh to John being a warg in the show, at least at this point. I think the attitude would have been different if he'd have had experienced this himself. But I do think Orel gave some insight into the free folk mindset. Also concerning Orel, how he showed his jealous side to Egret. That conversation got serious quickly. Three big things. Joffrey's concern over the dragons was legitimate and will definitely play a role in the future. But I think more was at play here. Joffrey's nervousness seemed to border on fear, and I don't think the dragons were the reason. I wonder if he was concerned about how much power his grandfather was going to A, take from him... Or, B, exercise over him. When Jamie said he owed Brianna debt, and she said if he kept the promise to return to Stark Girls, he should consider the debt paid, was a big deal in my book. It showed another level of belief in Jamie that really struck home with him. Finally, when John told Egret, if you attack Castle Black, you'll die, meaning the Waddling Army, but foreshadows her specifically, it was a gut punch, so very sad. If we die, We die, but first we live. Uh, Good email there, Sandy. Let's move on to Season 3, Episode 8. Second Sons. Your reference to Bran being a big book was pretty funny, I thought. Like you, I don't ascribe to the Bran the Almighty theories, mostly because I don't think George could write something that unbalanced. I also don't think Bran was whispering in the Mad King's ear to drive him crazy for reasons. I won't go into it here for time constraint reasons concerning bran and winterfell i don't think he wants to be the lord i think that's so far down in the list of priorities to be nearly non-existent in his mind tidbits sandor telling aria about saving her sister seemed like it planted the seeds of doubt in her mind concerning the hound and who he really is his comment about f joffrey and f the queen further that along Joffrey and his shenanigans at the wedding and feast afterwards just show how much of a stupid little boy he is. Makes me so mad, I won't say any more. Shh! Bubba from the Joffrey of Podcast might be listening. Don't make him uh, straighten you as an unstraightener. That's that's a, that's a terrible process. It's happened to me before. I've been straightened before. And uh, they don't make it pleasant. Him and Catfish are not friendly when they... When they straighten you out. It's not good. Don't be an (laughs) unstraightener. Just kidding. Uh, Finally, Olenna's discussion of the future family tree was pretty funny. Love that woman. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Three big things. Dario's philosophical differences with the captains led to some good things for Danny. Because some, quote, stress relief for her and some discomfiture for Sir Fringezone. His appearance did have a great effect. On Danny's plotline. Also, concerning this Dario, even though I liked him, he was far too pretty for that role, just my opinion. Next, Davos's reading really saves the bacon later and leads Stannis to an epiphany which greatly affects the story. And finally, Tyrion threatening Joffrey at the feast only adds fuel to the fire of his culpability later at Joffrey's death. Agreed with that. Agreed with that. Moving on to Season 3, Episode 9, The Reigns of Castamere, an email from Sandy. Difficult episode to watch, especially when you know how it's going to end. Man, all three seasons have been difficult for me to watch Rob, because I know how it's going to end. Um, but moving on to tidbits. Walder Frey has so many progeny, he can't remember their names. I think it was a grave error for Rob to bring to Lisa, partly because of what happens to her, but also it's like rubbing Walder's nose in it, although at that point... The die had already been cast. Sandor relenting and not killing the cart driver because Arya begged him not to was great. When the man stirred, Arya picked up a chunk of wood, knocked him out again, and then walked away. The look on Sandor's face was priceless. I love that too, because this is like the one last act of humanity that Arya really kind of has. I guess she kind of bonds with the gal from the theater, but... I don't know. You know, Arya is, of course, during this episode, this is what turns the tide. Uh, Very dark place that Arya goes to from here on out. Uh, Moving on. John clanking his sword on a stone to warn the horse breeder the wildlings were coming was great, but the end result not so much. The man still died in the end, and John was found to still be a crow. The look on Egret's face as he rode away showed just how devastated she was. The look on the blackfish's face when that woman flirted with him was hilarious. Lastly, Sam's history lesson to Gilly about the night fort was endearing. I wonder if that planted the seed for her desire to learn to read. But I loved the smile on Sam's face when she called him a wizard. Yes, I love the wizard reference, too, because he always wanted to be a wizard. That's what he told us in the very first season. And here's the one person that he really likes, and she's calling him a wizard. That's fantastic. Very good. Um, Three big things. I thought Arya and Sandor's conversation about fear was telling for both of them. It also showed a depth of understanding from Sandor that I really liked, and also how observant Arya was. She really set him back on his heels a couple of times, which I found gratifying. I think most of us want to believe that there is more to Sandor than for him to just be a brutal killer with no feelings. Brand's first consciousness warging into Hodor and then the wolves was very significant and drives home the point of how special he is and it sets the stage for a very sad event in the future for Hodor and for us all. Brand sending Rickon and, and Osha to last hearth has tragic results as well heartbreaking. As far as the questions, I'm very intrigued about your theory that this first warging into Hodor made the, quote, connection between the two that allowed the whole the door incident to take place. It did seem to me that when I watched the scene that Bran was a conduit of sorts. It's kind of difficult to explain, but I think it was because he was hearing Mira's voice throughout the whole ordeal, plus the fact that Bran in the past did not have the look of someone warging That gave me the idea in the first place. Plus, the original Three-Eyed Crow's comment that the, quote, ink is dry, seems to indicate what you're saying, that this is a deterministic universe. As to the direwolves, I'm not sure, but with the ravens, it did seem to me that Bran was warging one and then another, as all the birds did not seem to be white at the same time. Concerning the length of time a person can be in another animal before they get lost... In the animal. I'm not really sure, but I suspect it's a fairly short amount of time as the th- old 3 crow would have not let Bran stay anywhere for very long. It's very ambiguous, and I think it's meant to be that way. Uh, good thoughts on that, Sandy. Yeah, I think it is meant to be ambiguous as well. As ambiguous as to drive one crazy with questions about it, <laughs> or at least drive me crazy with questions about it. Now, uh, Sandy's final email was for season three, episode 10, Misa. Tidbits. Sandor grabbing up a phrase standard to get them through the fighting without confrontation was very clever, I thought. I agree with that. Um, the ladies giggling at the appearance of Pod was pretty cute. His fame spreads. Laugh out loud. Lastly, the lesson of the rat cook and the implication of the violation of guest right. And its importance was appropriately positioned in the episode, I thought. Oh, that's a good point about where it was in order to drive the final point home on that. Good point. Uh, Three big things. Jojen telling Sam neither the Night's Watch nor the Kings and all their armies can stop the White Walkers was a real setup for the future. Watching Sam digest that information and come to the conclusion about Bran and his role in the war to come was very interesting indeed. Ooh. Good catch. Uh, Ramsey, the sausage and the phantom cock leading to Reek, was chilling and really sets up the Reek persona that Yara will confront later. By the way, I loved how she stood up to Balon, the old rat. I'm being nice here. (laughs) Tywin telling Tyrion that he wanted to drop him in the sea was a horrible and yet another nail in his coffin for the crossbow party to come did you notice the similarities between tywin and stannis's stands that to kill one or a few is better than killing thousands true uh, they did both make that point since you don't have any questions, let me pose one to you. Did you ever think about the Dire names and how they relate to the Stark children? I mention this because your comment about Rickon. I always took his story to be a, quote, shaggy dog story, leading to nowhere. Ah, I wonder if Bran's summer is supposed to represent the end of winter and the summer that never ends. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that the Dire names are very much... Uh, related to either metaphoric or foreshadowing or, or whatever. I didn't really know the shaggy dog thing. I don't know that I've rec- heard that term before. I'm sure that I have. I'm sure that somebody's told me that before and it just kind of flew out of my mind, but that makes perfect sense. So, uh, good thoughts on all of that. That's it for the emails folks. I, Hope next time to hear from you remember October 24th is your deadline for anything season four or before or after or just anything you want to say. If you want to just tell me to shut up, that's that's feedback as well. I'll take that. Uh, but we do have uh, a couple of little things here to clean up. I did a poll on Twitter as I uh, released one of these podcasts about what killed the king in the North the most. And I asked if it was Stannis's leeches and, if it was the uh, car Starks kill me and be cursed, or if it was neither, or if it was both. And nobody voted for one or the other. Uh, 71% the winner voted for neither of those things killed Rob, and uh, 29% voted both. There was a response from, I believe it's Sandy, at Everdon4, who says, I Say both only because I know there is power in the spoken word and in story it seems to show us that there is some power in blood magic. I actually think people's decisions and actions play a bigger role with a little added assistance from the other two. Fantastic. Uh, Thank you for that thought. Folks, we still have two segments left. We have a three words segment with your submissions from three words. And we also have the brothel segment for your best couplings. Three Words is next. Three Words. Describing the episode in three words. Three little words. Oh, what I'd give for that wonderful phrase. To hear those three little words. Alright, so describing the episode in three words. And once again, I always say this. And I know you get tired of hearing me say it. But it's just a point I have to drive home. In the show notes, the listing of the musicians who perform any music that you hear on the podcast apps. Now, granted, you don't hear all of this on YouTube. There are different rules. I've explained all that before. Blah, 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 blah. Look in the show notes and say, oh, that person did this tune. Okay. Now I get it. Just that that goes into your head. I've done my job as a fellow musician to these guys. They're very kind. They let me use their stuff. And they don't give me any trouble about it. Mostly because I personally know them. <laughs> but uh, the other thing is that it's it's a nice thought to know that somebody who may never come to any of your concerts or anything remembers your name. That's how we become immortal. is because people remember us. So remember the people in the show notes. That's all I'm asking. All right. Soapbox over. Uh, Sandy submitted lots and lots of... Of these for uh, the three words for Valar do Harris uh, says on the precipice is the three words it just seemed that a lot of things were set up and just waiting for the spark that would set things in motion down the road fuel for the fire so to speak for season three episode two dark wings dark words frantically pulling threads did you notice when Caitlin Was working on that prayer wheel, how frantically her hands were moving at first. As the tapestry of her family's life was unraveling, she was desperately trying to weave the threads back in, but knew it was beyond her control to repair the damage that had been done. I was never a great fan of Kat, but the burden of guilt she heaped on herself was unwarranted. She made bad decisions as all people do. But she had flashes of brilliance as well. Poor cat. Wow. Deep thought. I like that. Uh, Sandy for Season 3, Episode 3. Walk of Punishment. Misande's Secret Smile. Ooh, that comes off really cool. Uh, It was so endearing and gave us a glimpse into the relationship that would develop between these two women. Yes. Uh, Sandy on season 3 episode 4 And now his watches ended I labored over this one Between quote revenge and patience And quote lessons in influence I still can't make up my mind So I'll have both please Well you certainly can You can always submit more than one uh, Sandy for season 3 episode 5 Kissed by fire Says I trust you Is her three words And that's Jamie Brienne. It was so sincere And really sets up What happens with them later Loved that. Very good. Sandy for Season 3, Episode 6, The Climb. Big Fat Liars. Ramsey, the phrase and Loras. When he told Sansa he was happy about their engagement. Yep, that's true. It's all true. Sandy, Season 3, Episode 7, The Bear and the Maiden Fair. Promises, promises, promises. I wanted to put promises to keep, but so few of them actually get kept. Rob and Talissa had the promise of a future. Tyrion promises Shay a good life. Jamie promises to see the Stark girl safely home, and on it goes. One promise gets to be kept, though Danny promises no mercy. Boy, that's true. Uh, Sandy for season three, episode eight Second Sons. Sound the alarm. Cersei sounds it loudly to Marjorie during their conversation. Then later the Ravens for Sam and Gilly. I couldn't really see their eyes to tell if they were being warged, but it definitely felt like it was a nod to Cold Hands. Sandy for season three, Episode nine The Reigns of Castamere RED RED Wine. The Red Wedding has been discussed so much that I doubt I could add much to it. I remember when I first watched it, I hoped the Starks had dodged a bullet. But A big fat knot. So tragic for everyone, a possible future drowned and lost forever, swept away in a river of red. So tragic, so very sad. Very, very true. I was able to watch this episode with the proper sadness this time around, because for me the first time around it was such a shock that I don't think I felt anything for a little while. In fact, I didn't really even want to do the fan call-in show for Podcast Winterfell after that happened. I was kind of like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I even want to talk about this. I'm just, I don't understand what's going on. (laughs) Um, Finally, Sandy, for Season 3, Episode 10, Misa. Winter is coming. From Sam and Bran to Maester Eamon and the 44 Ravens to Davos and Stannis. I can't get the phrase and its implications out of my mind. Very good, Sandy. And folks... Next time around, submit your own. Be part of this great montage of music and three words things. Um, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you don't want to try to describe the episode in three words. Maybe you'd rather just come up with the best coupling of each episode. And that's coming up next in a segment we call Brothel Mates. Raffle mates of the episode. The best couplings of the episode. L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore can love brothel of the episode do not have to be just two people it can be whatever you want it to be a person and a concept a person and an object and we have some submissions once again from sandy for season three episode one valor do harris i had two this time sandy says ghost and sam that cold opening had me on the edge of my seat as if i'd never seen it before and Tormin and the chicken Apparently, chicken does not only do a body good, but it can also be used as a flirtation device. Oh, I know people will throw rocks at me for saying this, but I must be brave. I would honestly rather see a chicken-eating contest between Tormund and Sandor than the Clegane Bowl. Ducks and runs for cover. Uh, very good, Sandy. Season 3, Episode 2, Darkwing Stark Words. Cindy says, Jamie and Brienne because they're awesome together and they make me smile. Very good for season three, episode three, Walk of Punishment. Arya and Wolfbread. I just thought it was sweet, and her way of letting Hot Pie know his effort was appreciated. Also, maybe symbolic as her wolf roots sustain and nourish her throughout her arc. Season three, episode four, and now his watch is ended. Sansa and hope. Ooh, I like that. Uh, Even though it didn't come to fruition, it was so precious to see that look on her face. It truly touched my heart. Oh, Sansa always touches my heart. She's she's the person that I will always draw a line in the sand on. Uh, Sandy for Season 3, Episode 5, "Kiss by Fire. Sharina and Davos. Ooh, this is a good one. When she told him it didn't matter to her if he was a traitor and started teaching him to read, it was so sweet and heartwarming it made me feel good all over. That girl understands loyalty and shows her good judgment in character. Yeah, unlike Dad and Mom. I mean, Mom had regrets when it was too late. But man, I uh, wonder where she got it from. There's a thought. Um, season 3, Episode 6, The Climb. Varys and Littlefinger, Varys's motivation stood out in such stark contrast to Peter's this time. It was almost the difference between light and dark for me. Peter's discourse was so dark and sinister, and I felt it gave a shudderingly grim insight into one of the most corrupt souls in the whole series. Ooh, that's a great way to put it. What an indictment there, Sandy. Uh, one of the darkest souls in the whole series. And he didn't even make it out of season seven. Uh, Sandy, for season three, episode eight, says, Second Sons, I chose the White Walker and the Obsidian Dagger, showing what obsidian does to White Walkers in is important plus it looked cool to see him shattered into pieces laugh out loud just like someone who's truly in love does uh sandy for season 3 episode 9 the reigns of castamir for me it has to be Arya and sandor their conversations were so meaningful from revealing a depth to sandor's character to insight into Arya's perceptiveness and observation skills and also i think some foreshadowing of the darkness her path would ultimately take very good, Sandy. And finally, for Season 3, Episode 10, Sandy says, "Arya and Innocence Forever Lost. I think that says it all. Well, that's true. Once you kill, you can't exactly take it back. Well, let's face it, though. Arya did that in Season 1. She's no stranger to blood at all. Folks, that does it for the Brothelmates. And I'll be back with some uh, closing thoughts. Like I said, I don't really have any news this time around. Um, but remember, you can always submit. You can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. That's m-a-t-t-s audioblog at gmail.com. Or you can tweet to mattsgotblog on Twitter. That's m-a-t-t-s-g-o-t-blog on Twitter. And I'll be back with some closing thoughts, like I just said uh, three or four sentences ago, in a moment. In love can make it. take my heart and please don't break it. love Man, we're all in the dark. My friends over at Watchers on the Wall are posting things about the AV Club and Ramin saying, well, here's what I did with my two main new themes for Season 7. I mean, we're in a dry spell here for news. Uh, I guess I could talk about Ramin a little bit. He's obviously on tour with his show. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, he said in that AV Club uh, little demonstration that uh, the orchestrations, the arrangements... For all of the music, the themes that we know and love, the themes that we're getting to know on this show, they're going to be new arrangements. Won't necessarily be the way you heard them on a television show. And I know a lot of folks are are going uh, to the show and wherever they are in the various parts of the country. Um, I think our friend Holly, who will actually be one of our guests for the season four podcast, I think she's going very soon. And she's going to experience it. Don't spoil it for me, Holly. I have to wait till October 5th of this year. That's when it will be in St. Louis. Um, So don't spoil it for me. Don't write in now. Write in after October 5th. We can talk about it then. We start Season 4. Speaking of Season 4. We start Season 4 this coming Thursday. Everything will be on the regular. I promise you. I know that I've messed with your heads Saying, oh, here comes the podcast. Oh, wait, here doesn't come the podcast. Oh, wait, it's my birthday, blah, blah, blah. And oh, and thank you all for the birthday wishes, too. I really appreciate that. I am now in my last year of my 40s. Well, technically, I've lived 49 years, I'm in my 50th year. So. Uh, I will continue to become more and more of an old curmudgeon, and you will get to experience it right here on this podcast as you hear me uh, start to yell, get off my lawn more and more and more. In the meantime, remember MatsAudioblog.com. That's where you can find all of the back episodes uh, where you can hear less of get off my lawn as we go along. At least back there. When we go from here, Probably a little more. Well, actually, season four, since I pre-recorded it all, you may actually hear less get off my lawn. I'm going to shut up. See you next time. Bye.